This show is a part of the podcast network of the Walled Garden Philosophical Society, an international community of philosophers and seekers dedicated to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever they may be found. To find out more, go to thewalledgarden.com. Hey everybody, today I'm going to be focusing on Seneca's letter number four, uh, and we're going to be diving into the passages of this letter that talk about death. And this is a really important subject for Seneca because he talks about it a lot, but also more broadly for the Stoics, the, the school of philosophy that Seneca ascribes to, because death to the Stoics was one of the most important things that you could meditate on, possibly even the most important thing that you could meditate on. And, you know, I actually have tattooed onto my arm memento mori, which is Latin for remember death. And it's it's kind of an expression that is associated with the Stoics. And the reason I got it tattooed onto my arm is because it was an idea that I was really starting to wrestle with and really starting to to think deeply about uh and, and I, I don't pretend that I have reached any sort of final destination in my exploration of this idea of, of remembering death and, 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 you know, as the title of this episode, learning how to die. I think that it's an endless process that we're involved in of, of, of coming to terms with the mortality of our existence. Uh, but there are some things that I've been thinking about in relation to this idea that I'd kind of like to uh, mix in with Seneca's thoughts, because a lot of the stuff that Seneca writes about death, it's it's hard to catch it perfectly as it's supposed to be taken. Uh, and so I'm going to do my best to maybe decipher some of his writings in this letter on death uh, and maybe infuse into those insights some of my own thoughts as I have been uh, uh, meditating on this idea of remembering death and learning how to die. So we'll jump into the first quote. He says, quote, No evil is great, which is the last evil of all. Death arrives. It would be a thing to dread if it could remain with you. But death must either not come at all, or else it must come and pass away. End quote. So I really like this first passage because it is one that takes some time to wrestle with and to, to think about because, you know, he's using words like evil, and I know that this is the English translation, but, uh, you know, essentially what he's saying is nothing is really that scary, which is the last scary thing of all. And the thing about death is, you know, here's the punchline, Either you're still living or you're dead. Either death won't come at all to you or it will come and pass away. And so that should give you some comfort. You know, it's very similar to the idea that the Stoics talked about. I believe it was Seneca. He essentially says that the good thing about pain is either you're feeling pain and you can bear it because you're strong enough to overcome that pain or the pain is so strong that you're dead, right? And so there is that kind of binary view that the Stoics had, which is, listen, either the pain is going to be too strong for you and you're dead, or you can bear the suffering of that pain because you're still alive. So 
if you're still alive and if you're still in the grips of that pain, then here's some good news. You're in the grips of that pain because you are strong enough to overcome that pain. And the thing is, that's a really tough idea to swallow (laughs) because, you know, we know that pain is one of the truest things in the world. It's like, you know, you can't, you can't always intellectualize your way around or out of pain. And so it's kind of a, it's, it's an idea that takes a lot of time to really think about and takes practice to implement into your life. Not that you should practice, you know, like, giving yourself unnecessary pain. But the idea is that, listen, you're strong enough to bear this. And it's also helpful to remember that Seneca is a guy who lived this idea of remembering death and coming to peace with your death and learning how to live. I mean, here's a guy who was ordered by Nero to commit suicide. You know, that was that was his death. And by most accounts, he died honorably by, you know, bleeding out in a bathtub. He faced that tragedy with honor. And, you know, I feel wholly insufficient to even discuss this topic because you don't really know how you truly feel until you come face to face with the thing that you believe you either fear or are not afraid of. You don't know how you truly feel or how you're going to act until you're in the heat of the fire. And it seems that Seneca passed that test. I don't know how I would pass that test because I certainly feel as though I have no reservations about the coming death in my life or the constant process of death that I'm involved in. I really do feel at peace with that fact that I'm going to die one day, but that might just be the folly of youth is essentially what I'm saying. It might just be that it's just not something that is even on my mind to the extent that it maybe should be, and therefore my vision is cloudy. Uh, But anyway, I, I, I want to continue because there's some really valuable stuff to take away from this letter. He continues, quote, It is difficult, however, you say, to bring the mind to a point where it can scorn life. But do you not see that trifling reasons impel men to scorn life? One hangs himself before the door of his mistress. Another hurls himself from the housetop, that he may no longer be compelled to bear the taunts of a bad-tempered master. A third, to be saved from arrest after running away, drives a sword into his vitals. Do you not suppose that virtue will be as efficacious as excessive fear? No man can have a peaceful life who thinks too much about lengthening it, or believes that living through many consulships is a great blessing. Rehearse this thought every day, that you may be able to depart from life contentedly. For many men clutch and cling to life even as those who are carried down a rushing stream clutch and cling to briars and sharp rocks, end quote. So there's a few things that I really take away from this passage. Firstly, just this idea of Seneca pointing out the strange reasons why people would 
choose to kill themselves, you know, to depart from life, as he would say. And then he kind of goes on to say, don't you think that virtue would be just as efficacious as excessive fear? It's hard to know how to properly interpret that kind of idea, but here's, here's what I take away from it. A lot of the time I've heard this idea of memento mori, remember death, uh, described, and I've even kind of interpreted it myself as, as almost a practice of recognizing that we are always dying And so what you should do is get that fear of death behind you so that it pushes you forward and and makes you remember, like reminds you to to live, right? But I, I don't necessarily think I'm right on that. Because it seems to me like the better approach would be to say, how about I leave my fear of death behind me? How about I leave the stress that I feel about this constant process that I'm involved in of dying and replace it with a deep burning desire to live a virtuous, meaningful life. It's almost like accepting the responsibility of your life despite the tragedy of your existence, you know, Yes, I know I'm going to die. Yes, I know that life is full of pain and suffering. Yes, I know that I'm always involved in this process of death and it is constantly at my doorstep. But despite the horror of that situation, I'm going to take responsibility for myself and my life and try to live as virtuously as I possibly can. And I might be wrong, but I have had the sense in my life over the past few years that to the degree that you are able to sufficiently and honestly aim at virtue, at a better, more meaningful life for yourself and those around you, you will stop thinking so much about the tragedy of life and about the stresses, and about the worries, and about the things that get in your way. you They almost become irrelevant in comparison to the aim that you are seeking, which is so powerful and so useful that it just takes you along with it. And as far as I can tell, this is the peaceful life that Seneca is talking about here. You know, he says, no man can have a peaceful life who thinks too much about lengthening it. You know, Alan Watts said that if you always spend your time thinking about what's going to happen next and what you're going to get next, then when what happens next happens, you won't even be there to see it. And it's a similar idea that Seneca is discussing here. You know, if you want a peaceful, meaningful, flourishing life then there are some things that you're going to have to leave behind if you want to pursue that. One of those things that you have to leave behind is your fear and anxiety, which is part and parcel of the human experience, right? Because we know we are going to die and that horrifies us. It terrifies us. You need to leave that behind and you need to leave your resentment behind for the fact that you're going to die. 
And you need to leave that behind because if you don't, then it will consume you and it will waste the time that you do have to live and to pursue a meaningful, virtuous life. And you know that this is the case because you see people in our society who are so involved with the extremely meaningful tasks that they are involved in, with the life that they are living, with, with the, the pursuits that they are aiming at, that the question of death or the, 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 the inevitability of death is not even on their mind. You know, the fears of life, the anxieties of life, they just don't matter. And you probably have experienced this in your own life as well. Think about a time when you were so engrossed in something that was inconceivably meaningful to you. You were in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right mindset. You don't have time or energy in those moments to even think about the fact that every day you are coming closer to death or to think even about the major anxieties of life. And it's because what you're involved in is so much more powerful than anything that could be frightening to you. And this isn't the same as saying, you know, forget about the anxieties of life, forget about the stresses of life. You know, there are some things that we need to face in life and deal with. You know, you're not just going to wish away your taxes, for example, but, uh, but the important thing to recognize here is that it is the voluntary acceptance of the mortality of our existence, of the pain of our existence, that is going to move you past that pain and into a life that is worth living. And this is where memento mori really comes in. It's like, look at death so that you know that you can look at it. Look at it and accept it. Look at it and study it and recognize that learning how to live is no different from learning how to die. It's the same thing. In every moment, you are living and you are also dying. And at the end of all this, all of us die. And you don't know what is going to happen next. You don't know whether the you that you think is you is going to just pass away or if it's going to continue. You don't know that. And so if death is inextricably linked to this process of life, and if there is no life without death, just in the same way that there is no day without night or yin without yang, if there's no life without death, then what's the purpose of fearing it? It's the same thing. And so when we start to aim at more worthy, virtuous aims, and when we voluntarily accept the pain of our death, which is also the pain of our life, then we can move to a better direction and we can live a peaceful existence and not peaceful in the way that it's always going to be happy and it's also going to be joyful and it's always going to be amazing. No, peaceful in that you know how to get through it. You know how to face it. You're strong enough and you can do it. So before I end this episode, I'd like to share a few thoughts on the last couple of lines from that passage that I read. And I also want to preface this by saying that I understand that a lot of what I'm saying here might be 
you know, I might be just uploading my own thoughts and my own meditations on death into what Seneca is saying here. And I mean, we do that no matter who we read. We're always reading, not necessarily from the perspective of the author, but from the perspective of our own lives and how we see the world. But uh, there are some things that I really think about and some, some visuals that I really get when I read this sort of stuff. So, Firstly, he says, rehearse this thought every day that you may be able to depart from life contentedly. For many clutch and cling to life, even as those who are carried down a rushing stream clutch and cling to briars and sharp rocks. And I really think that it's so important to pay attention to where he says, rehearse this thought every day. Keep it on your mind that you might be able to depart from life contentedly. There are people in life who do things that we admire. There are people in life who have perspectives that we think, wow, if I could have that perspective, that would be so helpful and useful and, 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 and meaningful for me in my life. But how often do you actually sit down and think, how could I get that perspective? How could I be more like that person? How could I think more like that person? Seneca is saying here, consider this thought. Maybe you could leave life contentedly. How often do you actually sit down and think, could I live a peaceful life? Could I live a life that was worth living? And at the end of it, despite the fact that I died, I could say that was a really beautiful life. You know, we're all making it up as we go. And it's almost as if you want to come to the end of your life and say, the painting that was my life was beautiful, or at least it told a story that was worth telling. And, and so I just really like that he reminds us, why don't you actually consider this, this thought, you know, could I live a meaningful life? contented, peaceful life. Because we don't often spend the time doing the very necessary work of actually asking the right questions and honestly asking those right questions. And then he goes on to say, like I, like I already read, you know, that many people clutch and cling to life like they're going down this stream. And, and that gives me a really interesting kind of image in my mind of life like a river. I think that that's a beautiful analogy. It's almost like the place where you are thrown into the river is your birth, right? And the end of your life or death is kind of the distant horizon of the river that you know you're coming to, but you don't quite know where it's going. You know, there might be a waterfall, it might just be a beautiful stream, it might lead to the ocean, you know, like wh wherever it's going, you don't, you don't know, but you're horrified because you've been thrown into this river that is kind of taking you along with it. And so a lot of people when they're in this river of life, they're clutching and grabbing onto sticks and sharp rocks and they're trying to get out. And, you know, meanwhile, some people manage to go with the flow. You've heard that expression. Some people manage to just allow life and fate to, to sweep them along calmly down this river towards the final destination, which you don't quite know where, where it will lead you. 
And I really think that that's, that's an important analogy that Seneca uses here. And it's very similar to the sorts of things that you would hear in, say, Taoist philosophy uh, or Buddhism, this idea of, you know, achieving this steady flow of life, not being too grasping to life, not trying to grab onto as much as you can and, and not being so attached to life that, you know, you're not able to flow gently down the stream and see what's around you. And the idea is, a more fatty, love your fate. You're in life. You're all in. You're in this river. You're flowing down it. Fate is taking you along with it. So, why don't you love that process? And why don't you aim at something worthwhile? Why don't you take a look around you and see what there is to see? See where that flow takes you. Listen. Pay attention. You know, gain some understanding gain some self-knowledge, and go where life is taking you. I think that's a really beautiful idea, and I hope that what you're seeing here as we're talking about these ideas and talking about uh, Seneca's thoughts on death is that learning how to die is exactly the same thing as learning how to live. It's the same idea. And that's why, in my opinion, the Stoics focus so heavily on on death as a meditation. Because as you meditate on death, you start to come into alignment with this, this thing called life because you recognize that there is no life without death. There is no death without life. It's the same process. So anyway, I'm going to stop it there and I'll come back to this letter uh, in the next episode uh, and we're going to continue these sorts of thoughts. But I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.